Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Before we get started today, I want to thank our newest sponsor, and that is Credit Suite. Hey, let's face it. Sometimes business owners need capital to grow and expand for things like payroll, hiring, acquisitions. But access to capital, that can be difficult and it can be risky, especially when it's tied to your personal credit. The SBA, NASDAQ, Entrepreneur, Inc., SCORE, and a lot of other financial authorities recommend that business owners obtain business credit that's separate from their personal credit. But getting credit for a business can be hard. But Credit Suite, hey, they empower business owners and entrepreneurs to get the money they need so they can grow their business. Credit Suite also helps companies obtain business loans and credit lines through a thousand different lenders. They help business owners build business credit from their EIN that's not linked to their personal social security number. Regardless of your per- personal credit history, cash flow, collateral, etc., Hey, a business owner can use business credit to fund their business versus relying on personal funds, personal guarantees, or asking all your friends and family for money. Credit Suite has helped 15,000 people build their business credit, and they have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a five-star rating from Trustpilot. You might be surprised to know that any business can qualify for business credit, even startups. It just means that you have to follow the proper steps to obtain it. Credit Suite maps it out for you in their free guide. To download that guide, visit creditsuite.com slash cool. Hey, that's credit, S-U-I-T-E dot com slash cool. As in, cool things entrepreneurs do. And what we're going to do today is talk to another cool entrepreneur. Today, we are going to talk to Tyler Basu. Now, he is a super nice Canadian from Vancouver. He told me to say that but he also helps entrepreneurs create content online. He's the proprietor of the magazine and podcast called uh, Lifestyle Business, and he's starting a brand new agency. So this guy does a lot of stuff. I'll let him tell you what he's all doing. Hey, Tyler, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, Tom, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. That that was a great intro. And uh, yeah, thanks for... uh Calling me that nice Canadian there. Perfect. Well, then, that was, you know, what's funny is, is I get more compliments about my intros than anything else from guests. Guests are like, you give the best intros everywhere. You know, it's like, uh, I want people to know that I only have the cool kids here on this show. So you do a lot of things. And if I read your bio, it would be like six pages long and I couldn't do it justice. Why don't you tell everybody who is Tyler Basu and what makes you great? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, no, no problem. I'm definitely uh, managing to keep busy, that's for sure. Um, so my, my primary area of expertise is content marketing and client acquisition. So I help entrepreneurs uh, create content, publish it online, and make sure that that content's actually helping them to attract their ideal clients. Um, so at the moment, my time is split between three projects, I guess. One being a content manager for Thinkific, which is a software company. I manage their content strategy. Uh, my own site, Lifestyle Business Mag, uh, we publish articles from contributors and we and podcast interviews with lifestyle entrepreneurs. And my 
third and most recent project, just partnered with somebody. We're starting an agency called Influencer Studio. Where we'll be providing some content creation and some client acquisition systems as a as a done for you service uh, for entrepreneurs. So it's been a, it's been a busy couple of years. I'm not going to lie, um, but I you know I'm managing to hold it all together. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's good times. <laughs> I'm tired just listening to that. Three major <laughs> projects. That's that's exhausting. So did you start out like like when you were young working for a regular company, or have you always been just slashing your own path through this world? Yeah, I've always been uh, either like self-employed or like commission and sales type jobs. Um, I did door-to-door sales for a year and a half uh, straight out of college. I was like 19 or 20 at the time. Um, so I spent 18 months building teams of salespeople uh, in three different cities in Canada before I had enough of that. Uh, and then I ended up in real estate, sold real estate for a few years. And then it was while I was in real estate that I started uh, podcasting and creating content. And it took me about three years of doing that on the side before I really figured out how to turn that into a career. And, and so I left real estate uh, just before I became a dad so that I could have a bit more balance and structure and, and work from home and stuff like that. But I love the fact that you admit that, hey, this took me like three plus years to be able to go out and like figure out, A, how to do it for myself before I started teaching other people. Because it seems like in your line of work, sort of like online entrepreneurs, there's a lot of people who've never done it for themselves or anybody else who suddenly are like, oh, I'm an expert, you know, give me money and I'll show you how to do social marketing. Yeah, it's been, it's and a lot of that was trial and error. Like I, you know, I did spend some time in school. I did two years to learn real estate. Uh, but I didn't like, there wasn't a school that was able to teach me this online marketing stuff. Um, cause it just changes so quickly. So I, I really had to learn through trial and error for a few years. Um, and then as you said, you know, after a few years of literally making mistakes and doing a, like 90% of what I did didn't work to find the 10% that did and then, and then double down on that. Um, yeah, it, it, it there was some you know, growing pains or learning pains, I guess. Yeah, but I, I met you for the first time six months ago at the first New Media Summit, but I actually knew who you were before that. I'd been stalking you online a little bit in, in the background. Oh, very cool. But you're, 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 you're the stalker. I, I, was the, I, was, I was that click that never filled out a form or anything like that. Uh, but but re- realistically, you're the real deal when it comes to helping entrepreneurs create online content and to do this thing where there's, like I said, there's a lot of charlatans out there you know, in your space because there is no barrier to entry. What do you think it yeah. was that, because this is all new, so that, I mean, when you started it, there wasn't really a, couldn't go to school for it. There wasn't roadmaps. And like you said, you did it by trial and error. What do you think the, what, what do you think the secret sauce was for you to be able to figure it out? So I had to get like really on what my skill sets were. So like self-awareness was a huge part of it. And so I, I worked in a bunch of industries. Um, I mean, I'm 28 years old now, but I've been, you know, doing this entrepreneurship or self-employment thing for uh, about 10 years now, pretty much straight out of straight out of school. Uh, and, and most of that was me going in all these different industries and picking up specific skill sets. And then after doing that for a while, I was I finally had, you know, a few tools, I guess, on my tool belt. And I was able to ask myself, what can I use these tools for? Like, I've spent some time in 
uh, sales. I've spent some time in uh, content creation. I've spent some time uh, selling, promoting seminars in a training and teaching space. And like, how can I bring these worlds together and just find my sweet spot? So the trial and error was really just me figuring out where my sweet spot was and like which industry I actually wanted to be in and where I felt that my strengths were best utilized. Uh, until that, until I had that clarity, everything, you know, every, everything was a struggle. So you said that one of the reasons you, you took this zig from real estate and zagged over to, to, to the social media content stuff was so that you could kind of control your life. You were having your first child. I know that you have, you have one now. You have a second one on the way. What do you love about the lifestyle that you've now created the last two or three years? Uh, definitely control over control over my time. Um, you know, in real estate, I would work every weekend, every holiday, uh, and just you know the, the, when people were out shopping for homes, that's when I needed to be working, right? <laughs> uh, and it's the opposite now, where now I get to spend the weekends and the evenings um, with my family, with my wife, with my son, uh, and I'll spend. And during the day, I I pick how to best use my time, um, and I make sure that. I'm spending my time in my sweet spot where I can make the biggest impact, where I can create content that moves the needle, where, I, uh, where I'm helping people to do things that, that move the needle for them. And uh, I just, I, you know, there's not, a, I don't have the luxury to do things that like don't move, you know, don't move me forward or don't move businesses forward. Um, so I've had to become, you know, really intentional about what it is that I work on, but I also get the advantage of like, choosing when uh, when I get to work on those things. So definitely the freedom and the control are two of, two of the, uh, you know, the, the things that I love the most about this lifestyle. And then the other is just creation in general. Like to take something from idea all the way to reality is, is a pretty exciting process. You know, whether that's for a blog post or a podcast or, uh, you know, a course or a webinar, like whatever type of content it is, I like to, you know, go from that brainstorm session all the way through to seeing something published and actually making a difference in people's lives. So is there any time ever where you have sort of that opposite feeling where you're like, God, if I had just had a regular job, I could, you know, work from <laughs> nine to five and get a paycheck. Do you ever look at some of your friends who like went to law school and think, wow, they get to go home? Um, you know what? There have, there have been times where I've gotten comfortable in in specific roles um but i'll like intentionally remind myself in that moment that comfort is not a safe place to be um because the only thing that really is constant is that it's changing so if i expect things to stay the same and i fall into a certain routine of just doing the same things over and over again i get bored i get a bit anxious i, I don't really get a lot of fulfillment from that so i actually tend to thrive when the pressure's on me and when i am needing to change and to learn and to and to evolve quickly as opposed to uh, kind of stagnating in some kind of repetitive routine so i i, I do like the challenge of something new uh, that's definitely part of it and the, and the challenge of pushing myself. And I also know, just from my own personality, I know that uh, when I'm faced with a deadline, I'll often wait until really, really up close to that deadline before I, before I, uh, before I get it done. And so putting, putting that pressure on myself, sometimes I'll, like, I'll arbitrarily throw a deadline at myself because I know that's what it's going to take <laughs> to finally get something done quickly. Well, you know, you bring up the fact that you know, you, you kind of sometimes look at that, but you get comfortable and you realize that comfort's no, isn't, isn't the security blanket we think that it is. You know, you're a relatively young guy. I, at your age, 
was chasing the comfort. I stayed in corporate America with my my ladder against the wrong wall. And the reason I did that is I thought it was safe. But looking back, I was mm-hmm. laid off six times over like a 15-year period and never fired. It was never I was a bad employee or I did something yep. wrong. It was always because the company either shut down entirely or pulled out of Texas. And I was, you know, one company wanted to move me, but we didn't want to move. So it's like I I didn't have a choice but to, you know, go out on the street. And so it turned out that what I thought was security wasn't security. And now that I've worked for myself for nine years, that tends, even in in bad times, that tends to be more secure. Yeah, and and it's, I think that that perception is finally shifting, especially among millennials. Because we grew up watching our parents go through that stuff, right? The layoffs uh, that were out of their control, the downsizing that was out of their control, uh, picking a new career multiple times throughout their, uh, you know, throughout their life. Um, and we've just seen that, like, you know, that that story that was sold that, oh, you, you know, you would work for one company for your whole life and that'll be safe and you'll get a pension and all that stuff. Like, who actually can say that that happened for them, especially now in this current reality? So I think if you can figure out a way to be self-employed to some extent, uh, you, maybe you don't even call yourself an entrepreneur, but even just think of yourself as a freelancer where you have the ability to, you know, serve multiple clients at once. That sounds safer to me than relying on one income stream from one employer that you could lose at any given time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you're speaking to, the, speaking to the choir on that one. So, so what <laughs> advice do you have for someone who's listening who, who just heard what you said and they're nodding going, yes, I, I want to go pursue my own thing? Because yeah. the only regret I have in life is that I didn't start doing this at 25. So if somebody is 25 or 50, what do you tell them? Um, minimize that risk of, you know, leaving traditional employment and then trying to go at it solo, uh, which can often cost a lot of time and money. Like if you're an entrepreneur and you're creating a product or a service, just the, the act of creating something, uh, takes a lot of time and you're not being paid for that time. You're not actually being paid until you sell something. So my advice would be sell something that is as expensive as you can sell it first, like come up with a, instead of selling like a $3 widget, I made this mistake. So I'm speaking from experience. When I left real estate, my next move was to start a digital magazine where I was charging like, it was like three or four bucks a month in the app store to download this magazine. And I was spending thousands of bucks of my own money each month to create this magazine. And I wasn't getting that money back. And I could only keep that up for a few months before I realized, damn it, you know what? I should have started with something at a much higher price point and that would have given me the money to tackle creating things at a lower price point. So I would have done the opposite. Um, And so to anyone who's like, you know, considering becoming an entrepreneur, I would try to start by offering a service. Like what's that skill that you've picked up from your job? Figure out a way to package that as a service and where you can charge based on the value of the result that that service helps somebody uh, accomplish. And then that way you've got some money in the bank. It only takes a couple of clients per month probably to replace what you make in your day job. And now you're good. Now you now you can use some of that money to fund the growth of your business, to reinvest in your business, to cover your personal expenses, and maybe create some products down the road uh, to offer those clients. But start with you know, a very high touch personalized service that you could charge a high price point for that I think is probably the safest way to transition into entrepreneurship because you could even do that uh, on the side uh, and just get a couple of clients while you still hold down your day job 
and then you, uh, before you actually take the leap and, and put yourself in a financial risk like I did a couple of years back. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I found myself laid off, and so I started at zero. Uh, it would have been nice to actually have that already working uh, before I was on the street. So that, that I think is really good vi- advice. But starting something new, I mean, a lot of people feel, oh my gosh, I've got this idea, I'm going to go start it. And they're, they're overcome with these positive feelings about all the potential that their new business has. But we all know, and we've all seen people do this, potential doesn't equal results. And, and this is something I spend a lot of time talking to people about. Why do you mm-hmm. think some people are able to cross that gap between their potential and get closer to their results. I actually don't believe you ever reach your full potential because if you're living life correctly, as you move Mm -hmm. forward, your potential is going to shift farther away because you're going to meet new people. You're going to read new things. You're going to listen to new podcasts. You're going to have new information. And all of a sudden, you have more potential. So I don't think you ever get there. And I think if you got there, you probably wouldn't like it when you caught it. But what do you think is the, the delta that gets some people farther across that gap than others? Yeah, and you know what? We we definitely suffer from something called shiny object syndrome, where we there's we have probably more ideas than time to actually execute those ideas. Uh, and I learned I, I learned this lesson back when I was doing door to door sales that, you know, I wasn't being when when you're not being paid for your time, you're really only paid when a result is created. Um, and so you need to do the things that create that result. So for any entrepreneur. From two results, I would figure out like for you, for your business, for your industry, what are those few key activities that actually move the needle for you? Like what is actually going to bring in customers or or clients and what is actually going to produce the results that you want? And then try to spend most of your time there. Yeah, you might have to wear multiple hats in the beginning, um, but if you're doing all of the things that don't actually produce results and you're, you're going to burn yourself out and you're not going to have the sales to be able to hire the help to do those things that uh, support the results you just created in the first place. So like you need to just make sure that you're spending the majority of your time on the activities that actually uh, bring in revenue for your business and then use that revenue to get some help with everything else that supports that. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, if you do the opposite where you, you just you spend all your time on stuff that doesn't actually bring in any money, you're going to be burnt out. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to spend your own money to keep your business alive. And it's just, uh, it's not a very healthy business at that point. So I would, for you, just identify what are the few things you can focus on that really do move the needle, make those your priorities. And then with, with whatever time is left, you can do the other stuff. Well, and I think that that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think all of us who have a business have found ourselves, you know, choosing whatever it is activity that we most want to do which isn't necessarily the activity that's actually going to grow the business. I know I'm guilty of that. So you're, you're a wise man for 28 years old, Tyler. So well, I've, got, thank you. <laughs> I've, got, I've got more questions for you. <laughs> but before I let you go, but I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to assure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Tyler Basu. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Tyler, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. 
What's the coolest thing you're doing in your businesses right now? Um, so I've been spending uh, a lot of time creating automated webinars lately. Um, and that has just helped like, uh, bring in, uh, like bring in, uh, you know, qualified appointments. Um, in my experience, when I've sent people straight to like, tr to try to get on a call with me, I end up on these calls with people that aren't really the right fit or just quite ready for something yet. So I'm intentionally creating these, these automated presentations that kind of act as filtration systems. I mean, they deliver a lot of content, they teach some cool stuff, but they also, uh, help to like disqualify and even discourage people from moving to the next step of actually wanting to talk to me. Uh, and that's just been able to help me become way more efficient with my time. Like when I'm booking calls throughout the week, um, those calls are, you know, a good use of both of our times. They identify themselves as somebody that uh, is ready uh, for a service that I provide and they're ready to talk to me. And at the same time, um, I'm not, you know, I've, I've already qualified them before they even got on the call with that presentation and with the form they fill out. So having some more automation uh, has been, you know, high on my priority list. It's, again, helped me just to be more efficient with my time um, and then uh, just really, you know, spend my time where, where it creates the biggest impact. So tell us more. Tell me a little bit more about what is an automated webinar. What is? How is it set up? What is it? What? Why? I mean, give give me give me meat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so like, regardless of what it is that you sell, you know, product, service, whatever the case is, I've done this for I've done this for Thinkific. We sell software. I've done this for myself, uh, where I sell services. I've helped other people who sell workshops and and uh, and consulting. Set this up as well. So it doesn't really matter what you're selling. Um, the reason why this works is because of something called a buyer's journey. And every person that you're trying to sell to, there's a journey that they go through that leads up to them buying from you, right? And so when they're, when they're actually ready to buy from you, um, that means that they're the furthest along in that journey. So you might call them like a hot lead, right? But to get somebody hot, you got to warm them up. And even to get them to warm, you know, if they're starting off cold, you need something that takes them from from cold to warm. So what I like about webinars is they're perfect because they take somebody's time. You know, a typical webinar is about 30, 40 minutes long. Uh, somebody who's not pretty serious about getting a specific outcome or solving a specific problem um, or becoming a customer, like if they're not pretty serious about that, they're not going to spend 30 to 40 minutes of their time watching a video. Um, but at the same time, like if you don't have that in place and you're taking people from like reading a blog post to booking a call with you or downloading this quick checklist to booking a call with you, that's a bit of a jump, right? Cause you're taking somebody that's a bit colder and a bit earlier in that journey all the way to like, uh, expecting them that they're, that they're ready to be a client. And that's just a bit of a leap. So by adding that, a video presentation in the middle, you could call it a webinar, you call it a on-demand training, whatever you want to call it. But it's, you know, a 30 to 40 minute video presentation that helps uh, w make move somebody from warm to hot and ready to speak with you. But it helps qualify them, it helps filter them out a little bit. Uh, and a lot of a lot of businesses are missing like that piece, you know, they might not call it a webinar, but they're missing the piece that's taking people from having just learned who they are and they put something out there that created awareness uh, to warming them up and qualifying them before they uh, have either like the entrepreneur themselves or perhaps the salesperson that works for them trading their time to talk to that person. Um, so that's why I, like, I'm excited to, you know, to having been, been, 
built a bunch of webinars and getting those in place because um, they've just made that whole selling process, they've kind of flipped it on its head. Like instead of me getting on a call with somebody and trying to convince them why they need a certain thing, it's like the video already did that. And they just come and it's just like a, you know, a casual conversation of figuring out if, we, if we're a good fit for each other. Hmm. I think that's awesome. Hey, we could talk about Tyler all day long and all the cool things that you're doing. But I think that great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And obviously, because you have a magazine about business lifestyles, you know, you know up front that you've got to be observing because you wouldn't be able to write a magazine if it wasn't for observing who's out there doing something cool. So I love to ask the people who come on the show, who's someone out there that you admire? And you look at them and say, yep. They're doing cool things. Great question. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Nathan Chan, is somebody that I really respect. Um, and he, his company's founder, uh, Founder Magazine, without the letter E in the word founder. And I've watched him over the last, you know, three, four years ago, starting uh, this digital magazine in the App Store and then adding the podcast and then adding online courses and building an audience of millions of entrepreneurs from around the world. And he's interviewed some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our time. Um, and I've just watched how he's executed building that brand. Uh, and I'm so impressed by what he's done. And I've gotten, you know, a lot of ideas uh, have come from him. Uh, and so, yeah, he's somebody that I keep a close eye on. Uh, I think they produce great content and they're a great resource for any entrepreneur. Um, that wants to learn uh, learn about entrepreneurship. Awesome. So the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I think somehow we want to make the planet somehow better. And I love to find mm -hmm. out what people do. So what do you do? Um, so I've used, uh, there's an organization called Kiva, uh, which is like a money lending thing where you can, uh, you donate some money and then they use it. Uh, they send, they lend it out in microloans to different people around the world. So I've, I've, uh, I've given some money to those guys, not enough to be super proud of or brag about, but it's a, it's a start. Um, but you know, that, that whole like expression when you're on a plane and the plane's going to crash, you're supposed to put your oxygen on your, on yourself first before you help others. So these past few years, um, taking that to heart, like I've done a few things for my own, for my own family and to change the economics of my own family, which was really important to me. Uh, so for example, I have a younger brother, um, who has mild schizophrenia and he, he can't live on his own. Uh, but he also wasn't getting the, like the the support from the government that he needed. So I was able to buy a townhouse, uh, for him to live in. Um, and what with my dad, who's there with him now. And so he, he keeps an eye on my brother. And so that was like a, you know, a, a big, step in the direction of changing my family's legacy and financial future. Um, and I've also, you know, my wife who, you know, she, she's been spending the last 10 years working with children, uh, as a child development consultant. And I've helped, uh, you know, her make that transition from traditional employment to she's now becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm super, super proud of her. Uh, and she now like, uh, has her own workshops that she runs and she just started her YouTube channel and she's written a few children's books. And so I'm helping her, uh, get, a, a training company going for early childhood educators as well. And so, uh, that's been my first priority. You know, I'm still a young guy, but I feel like if I, if I get my, my own life and my own family sorted out first and that's taken care of, then that will buy me some time to do the things that have a, you know, a bigger impact on the world. But I've got to, um, you know, get the order right, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. Hey, Tyler, if somebody's listening to this and they need to have more of you, they're like, I have to know this Tyler Basu guy. How do they find you? 
<laughs> um, well, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person with this name. Uh, so if you search for me, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty Googleable, I guess. Uh, but my my website tylerbasu.com. That's my that's my personal site, and you can uh, find everything that I'm up to and and links to all the other stuff from from that one place. Great, and that's just Tyler T Y L E R, and then Basu is B A S U. That's right. right. TylerBasu.com. Excellent. Hey, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And to everybody who listened, I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for tuning in. If you like cool things entrepreneurs do, do me two favors. First of all, go to TylerBasu.com and send him a note and say, I heard you on Tom's podcast and you were awesome because that always freaks people out because they think nobody will do it and then you do. And then the (laughs) second thing is let me know that you like the shows. Go over to iTunes if you're an iTunes user to get your podcast and leave a review for the show and subscribe because subscribing is the way this show gets ranked and more people find it. So there's nothing you can do that makes me happier than subscribe to the show and leave a comment. Uh, But you can find us on all the social medias. We're on Facebook at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, Twitter, at Cool Podcast. And if you want to join the group coaching program, it's called the Potential Mastermind Project. Just go to PotentialMastermind.com and you will find out everything you've ever wanted to know about that small but mighty program that I host. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Tyler. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? But we always find somebody. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.